You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Everybody say hark. Now, if this is your first time to join us, we just uh, started this series last week and we studied the life of Zechariah. And today, uh, you know, we're going to talk about another appearance, an angel's uh, uh, appearance to another very important character in the Bible. And that's going to be an exciting time for all of us. But last week, just a recap, we've talked about how the angel Gabriel responded to the, you know, I mean, the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah and how Zechariah responded to that in fear and in doubt, okay? And, you know, as, as a people of God, we need to understand heart, okay? Heart means to listen to, right? You all remember? Uh, for those of you who didn't, you were not here last week, heart means listen, okay? Tell that to your neighbor, say listen. Okay, listen carefully, intently. And the message last week really is about a God who is really faithful. He answers our prayers no matter, you know, how long, how hard we have tried. He's still a faithful God. How many of you also have experienced that? Isn't it true? God is a faithful God. Not only that, God is also a redeemer. He can redeem your past. Okay? Even if you were barren, guess what? Those, the impossible, those things that were really, really impossible, God can redeem those. And last we've talked about also that God is sovereign. He has a plan. He has a purpose for all of us. Whether you like it or you like it, He has a plan for all of us. And all we really need to do is this. We just need to heart meaning listen, we need not fear, so fear not, just what? Believe God. It's simple but hard to do, all right? Believe God for who He is and what He can do for us, amen. So today we're going to open up another another story. It's a story of Mary. You all know Mary, right? Okay, can we all stand and just open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will receive in your room and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, and who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. 
Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's bow down our heads and pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, as we study the scripture on the message of Christmas, Lord, may we truly hark or understand or hear what you're really saying. Lord, what message are you saying? Lord, I pray only for, for you to speak. Open our hearts and our minds, Lord. We ask, Lord God, for your wisdom. Let us understand your scripture today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, for a fact that without Jesus, probably God would have annihilated humanity. But when we look back at history, we really look at the, really, the outworking of our, of our God. And the beauty behind this is that God orchestrated everything through, through the history. And what we're doing today is looking back and maybe just trying to understand what we can really get from that story, the lessons, or what God is really saying. If we can just hark, okay, listen really carefully what God is saying. Now, the whole background, the whole picture of uh, where Mary is coming from is that the nation of Israel was under the Roman Empire. In fact, it was the darkest times in, in, in the history of Israel. Why was that? Because there was a tyrant, his name was Herod, and Herod was a ruthless, you know, emperor. You all know Herod, right? King Herod, right? We, we know the story. In fact, um, we all know that, of course, we're going to study this next week or the weeks from now, two weeks from now, about, you know, the Magi, remember that? The, the wise men and King Herod wanted to know about Jesus. But this Herod, this particular emperor, this ruthless guy, killed so many people in his time. In fact, he has killed uh, his wives. He killed his wives. He also killed two of his sons. That is how ruthless this person is. So it was so dark, there was political unrest. We have a tyrant in the seat of the government who is overseeing Israel. And it was in turmoil. Are you getting the picture? That, that was happening in the time when Mary encountered the angel. Not only that, it was economically unstable. Why was that? Because Herod imposed heavy taxes, okay? What happened was because he, Herod uh, imposed heavy taxes, many people became poor. They could not afford to pay the taxes and many of Israel, many of the citizens of Israel became slaves. Historians say that out of seven citizens, five of them were slaves. So you're talking about the darkest moment in, in the history of Israel. So there was social unrest. People were very poor. They were hopeless. In other words, they were destitute. There's nothing to look forward, forward to. They were waiting for a Savior. They were looking at a prophecy in Isaiah about the Savior. But God, God was silent for 400 years. Last week, we've studied that. We all know that, right? God was silent for 400 years until He appeared to Zechariah. But this time, 400 years is such a long time. How many of you have experienced 100 years? I mean, you're talking about 400 years. In such a long, long time. Let me ask you this question. 
Have you ever experienced the darkest times in your life? And no matter how much you prayed, God was silent. Have you ever experienced that? Or is it just me? Well, most of us had, right? Somehow, sometime in our life, the most difficult times in our life, when we prayed to God, God was silent. Probably the darkest are. This is the whole setting of our story. The darkest are. Nothing was happening for the nation of Israel. But Scripture says, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 to 5, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, Mary, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and as daughters. During that time, people didn't understand it, but now when you look back, the Bible says, when the fullness of time had come, God. What does that mean? It means God was never late. God was not early, but never late. In other words, God was in His perfect time when when He revealed His plan to Mary. And that's an amazing thing. If you are here today and you're facing the darkest moments of your life, you are in the most difficult situation today, okay? I won't ask you to raise up your hand. But if you're facing the difficult times of your life today, it's nearing Christmas time, and you're saying, God, Christmas na. Bakit ganito? I'm not hearing from you. If that's where you are, let me just give you a good news today. God is never late. God will never be late. Amen. Amen. Let me say that again. God will never be late because His time is perfect. Amen. That's good news for us. But His timing, that perfect time, it came in an unexpected place to a unexpected person. Okay, let me, let, let's look closely at the scripture. What happened? In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says there that in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So six months after God sent the angel Gabriel to Zechariah, six months later, okay, he sent forth again his angel, the same angel to appear before Mary, okay? God sends Gabriel to this city called Galilee. Now, if you look at the meaning of Galilee or Galilea, Galilea is known as a heathen circle. In other words, it is a place for pagans. They don't know God, okay? It's a place where, you know, they don't, they hate God. They don't understand God. But if you were to ask yourself, hey, God, of all the places that you will choose, why choose Galilee? Right? Why not, you know, choose a place like um, Bethel? Bethel is the house of God. Why not Hebron, the first capital city of Judah? Why not Jerusalem, right? The city of David. Why not that? But why, of all places, Galilee and the, the name of the city was called Nazareth. Why Nazareth? Now, we were not born yesterday, okay? So you don't understand the whole picture. The whole picture is that Galilee was not a good place. 
Nazareth. In fact, in John chapter 1, verse 46, Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, when you hear the name Nazareth, it's bad news. Okay? It has a bad reputation. Okay? Uh, what comes to your mind when you hear Muntin Lupa? <laughs> Believe it, please on. You know, for that's, that's where we live, right? But there's a stigma, right? How about Mandaluyong? Mental, diba? How about Pasay? Or Tondo? You know what I'm saying, right? Now, I have nothing against Tondo, Muntinlupa. Don't get me wrong. But it's kind of like probably that, that kind of stigma. To many people in the world, when you, when you hear Nazareth, it's not a good place. It's not where you expect God, after 400 years, come, you know, reveal His plan for humanity. Okay? But why? Okay? But God chose this, this obscure place for His plan. Why? Let's continue on in verse 27. Okay? So this angel appeared, right? In Nazareth. To what? To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Now, I mean, if you were baptized in the, in the old church with all, uh, Maria, diba? You know, my sister is Maria like this. How I many of you know that Mary or Maria was a famous name? Alright? But this Mary was a virgin. Not just a virgin. In fact, she's a young virgin. You know, historians say, you know, if, if they, they trace back um, uh, Mary's age, she was 12 to 16 years old. How many of you are 12 years old? Or 16 years old? Think about that. She's very young. The, if she's a virgin, she's a young virgin. What does it really say? If you were to... Um, uh, have a, if you were to give someone the trust, okay, for taking care of your baby, right? And this baby is like Jesus Christ, right? Would you give it to someone who's a 12 year old or a 15 year old? Would you give that, you know, your, would you entrust it to a virgin? You'd probably not do that, right? You probably want someone who has experience in taking care of babies, right? But, God chooses Mary, of all people, a virgin, very young virgin, all right? And she's inexperienced. In fact, she's inadequate to be mom. Unqualified. Nowadays, you get married at the age of 30. <laughs> 30-ish. No, no, no. You will not agree with that. Amen. Okay, but... Definitely not 16 years old, okay? Our marrying age is 18, right? Legally. Tamaba? Do we have a lawyer in the house? It's 18. But she's like 16. Granting she was 16 or 17, that she was still very, very young. I have a 17-year-old daughter. And she's very young, although she looks matured. You know why? Because she's big, taller than me now. <laughs> 
But if you are, if you were married, you, you're inexperienced, you're inadequate, unqualified, unlikely the person for the job. Okay? And this Mary, she was to be betrothed. Okay? What is betrothed? Right? There are three, uh, stages in a Jewish wedding. Number one is engagement. So the, both, both parties, the father, both fathers will agree. Okay? That, um, they will be engaged. So Joseph and Mary had, had dads and they, they agreed that they will get married. So the second stage is called betrothal. The ceremony uh, where mutual promises now are being made that, you know, this is it. Okay. After the engagement period, now comes, we are, they're going to get married. Now the third stage will be marriage itself or the wedding. So that, that, that would take place after one year. Okay, one year, maghihintay si Joseph, and then he would come to take his bride. So that's, that's how they did it. So if you are betrothed, that means you had already a mutual agreement. It's sealed. Alright? You cannot back out anymore. This is it. Now, for a woman in a man's world, during their time, okay, during their culture, guess what? A woman does not have any right. In fact, the woman, the woman's job is to get married and bear them a son or a daughter. Take care of the household. There were no women's liberation front. Okay. <laughs> there was no, you know, career woman. There was no career woman. They were just there. And their, their lot and purpose in life was to be moms. So God chooses this inexperienced, inadequate, unqualified, unlikely person was supposed to be married, okay? And moreover, here's the clincher of it. Do you know the meaning of Mary? How many Marys do we have? It's okay, all right? We're going to go somewhere good about this. But the meaning of Mary, the Hebrew word, is Miriam. And it means rebellious. Are you matamawa, Marion? It means rebellious. Miriam was the sister of Moses and she became rebellious as well. So Mary came from an obscure place, from a poor family, very young, inexperienced, and worst of all, she carries the name rebel. Si Madonna lang ang rebel, di ba? That Madonna should take Mary. Anyway. So can you just imagine the the poor self-image, okay, or the the low self-esteem of Mary. Can you imagine that feeling? But what was God's message to Mary? It's kind of interesting, right? What is God really saying to Mary? Let's look at the scripture. Okay? Or what is His message for us today? You know, we can glean, we can get lessons from the story of Mary. But this is my asking, what? is his real message for us today. And I want to share three. Everybody say three. three. I don't know why, but in victory we have three. So we just can't get out of the three. But for victory's sake, we're going to have three. Okay? But what is the message? I have three messages. Number one is this. Number one, he is gracious. God is gracious. Luke chapter 1, verse 28 says that, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. Greetings, O favored one, not greetings, O rebellious one. 
didn't say that. Merry greetings. No. God said, or the angel said, O favored one. Now, if you were head of the uh, human resource department, okay, and if you were to evaluate Mary, okay, you'd probably think that this woman, there's nothing favorable with this woman at all. Why? Because she came from an obscure place. Remember that? Poor, no purpose, okay? Her only purpose is to be a wife and a mother. You'd probably put in her records, really, this person is not going to cut it. She's not right for the job. You're going to tell God, God, why Mary? Because she's, she's not cut out, uh, cut out for being the mom of Jesus. Probably if you were the HR, right? But you're not. Praise God. <laughs> and sometimes, this is how we tend to look at, you know, at people. Sometimes you could be, you know, a bit judgmental about where they come from, their background and all of that. Because they come from this place or their educational backgrounds from this place. People are like that, but not our God. Right? But not God. Or maybe you are the one who's like Mary. You probably think today that you're not, you know, you're inadequate, you're unqualified, you're undeserving, you're the unlikely person that God will choose. How many of you felt that? You probably ask these questions. Do I matter? Do I count? Can I make a difference? Or do I have a place in the overall plan of God? How many of you ask this question? Come on, be honest. Think about that. I believe these are the questions that Mary asked. She also felt the same way as you and I. Do I really have a place in God's overall plan? Let's look at the scripture. In verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now, she was greatly troubled, not because she had no faith, but she was troubled because how can she be the favored one? She could not see the reason why. It's kind of like, you know, the angel appeared, you're the favored one, right? And then you're Mary and you're saying, who me? Are you sure it's me? No, really, is it me? I'm the favored one? Are you sure I am the favored one? And the response of the angel said, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Fear not. Everybody say, fear not. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have, again, found what? Favor with God. What does favor really mean? You know, favor means an act of kindness beyond what is due or usual. That's the meaning of favor. In other words, favor is not something we deserve, but it is just given to all of us. You all know this, right? Mary found favor from God despite her background. Despite all the things that was, you know, what was told about her, God did not look at that. Why? Because God does not see how we see. Praise God. Can you imagine if He sees the way we see, right? But that's not our God. He sees you differently. He looks at you with favor. How many of you believe that? Amen. Okay, hopefully after this message you believe that. Okay? But God looks at you with favor. James chapter 4, verse 6 says, 
But He gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Favor and grace are synonymous. Grace is the unmerited or undeserving favor that God gives all of us. That's grace. In fact, all of us live in common grace, even if you believe God or not. Even those people who do not believe God, God gives His grace. God shows His unmerited favor or grace to Mary. Why is that? See how Mary responded to this. If we fast forward to, to the, to, you know the song, Mary's song, Magnificat? You all know that, right? You, do you read your Bible? Alright, you fast forward later, okay, you can check. But later, you just go forward and go to verse 47 of Luke chapter 1, and you'll find out the response of Mary, okay? She said this, And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has looked on the humble estate of His servant, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Meaning, you know, you are not, you're not proud, you're not arrogant, but what does it really mean? Humble estate. Meaning, God knew her inadequacy. God knew that she was not deserving. When we look at Mary in our, in our nation, we look at Mary as a God. But no, Mary needed God. She looked to God as her Savior. And she knew this because the, when, when God says, you are full of grace, the grace was not just for her. The grace was for everyone else. Are you getting this? We love Mary, okay? But she's not God. Jesus is God. Those who feel that they are inadequate, unqualified, undeserving, unlikely the person to succeed in life, guess what? Grace of God is with you. The grace of God is with you. God shows His grace because God really is a gracious God. David wrote this psalm in Psalm 145 verse 8. says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And if you're not really quite convinced how gracious God is, and think about this, really the weight of His grace really was not just for Mary. The reason why we're here today, because that grace of God came even after 2,000 years, and we receive that grace even today. Amen. Let's give God a big hand for that. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, Therefore, and I like this, I love this verse, it says, Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore He exalts Himself to show mercy to you, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those, or uh, all those who what? Wait for Him. If you wait long enough, understand that God cannot wait to give His grace to you, His favor. Are you listening? It is there for us. Just waiting. I can't wait. It's kind of like a dad. You know, a father cannot wait. No, I'm a dad. I cannot wait to give good gifts to my children. Kind of like that. How many dads do we have here? Come on. Don't forget the gifts, all right? It's Christmas for your kids. Can't wait to give the gifts, right? 
Can't wait to give that gift to your, to your daughter, right? Think about that. That is our God. He is gracious. So, that's the first message. Second one is that He is with us. God is with us. How many of you believe God is with us? Come on. Amen. All of us. Luke chapter 1, verse 28. Let me go back. And He came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now, what that means is that God is Emmanuel. We all know that Emmanuel means God with us. It means that the creator of heaven and earth, the God of the universe, the one that created you and me, okay? the universal God, the biggest God, there's no other God like Him, decides, okay? He decides to be human like you and me. He is God with us. What that means is that He identifies with you and me. Do you realize that everything that you are experiencing today, Jesus Himself had experienced? He felt pain. He cried. There was sorrow. He felt offended. He was angry, right? What else? He was mocked. He was cast out. And all the things that you and me have experienced in life, Jesus had experienced that. Because He is God with us. Because God decides to become human being like you and me. To be hurt just like you and me. To feel the pain just like you and me. He identifies with you and me. That is our God. He knows you exactly. And guess what? He even felt the same temptation as you and me did without compromising. That's who Jesus is. That's who our God is. God with us. And if you think that God is not with you, guess again. God is with you. Let me, let me proceed in verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a what? A son and you shall call his name? Jesus. Do you know what the, the meaning of Jesus? Jesus means, in Hebrew is Yeshua, meaning Messiah. Deliverer, rescuer. In other words, He is Savior. So God with us did not stop in just Emmanuel being with us, but He came for a purpose. Jesus didn't just come to identify and feel the pity, you know. He didn't come to have pity party with us, you know. I understand you're feeling me too. You know, Jesus didn't do that. No, He came so that He can save you from sin. Are you here? God came so that He can rescue us from our wretchedness. And in the darkest times, God chooses to be gracious to us. He sends Himself to be with us, to save us. And many times, we go through tough times in our lives, and guess what? We, we kind of give up, say, God, are you really there? Let me read. It's quite a long poem. Way back in high school, siempre high school, kailan may papel ka. Okay. <laughs> you, you, you probably found this in your, you know, in bookstores, in all that. Probably you have one at home. You know, footprints in the sand, right? You, you know this. I love this. Can I just read it to you? All right. So one night, I dreamt I was walking along the beach with the Lord, 
Many scenes from my life flashed across the sky. In each scene, I noticed footprints in the sand. Sometimes there were two sets of footprints. Other times, there was only one. This bothered me because I noticed that during the low periods of my life, when I was suffering from anguish, sorrow, or defeat, I could see only one set of footprints. So I said to the Lord, You promised me, Lord, that I, if I followed you, you would walk with me always. But I have noticed that during the most trying periods of my life, there has only been one set of footprints in the sand. Why? When I needed you most, have you not been there for me? And the biggest answer of the Lord, the Lord replied, The years when you have seen only one set of footprints, my child, is when I carried you. You know, God has always been with us, even if you don't think He is. Let's continue before I, as I close. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Ultimately, guys, when you talk about you know, God being with us, the reason why he wants to be with us, he wants to rule and reign in our lives. That's the ultimate purpose why God is Emmanuel, God with us. We're part of His kingdom. You're not outside the kingdom, but you're in His kingdom. That's why King David wrote, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's why. We look now to eternity, to eternal things. Amen. And lastly, as I close... God is able. He is able. In verse 20, uh, 34, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? Now Mary's question was not a doubt. Alright? Not, not a doubt, but a logical question. Alright? In fact, it was a righteous question. Why? Because, you know, if she will be pregnant, who will be the dad? And if there is if, if it's not Joseph, then who's the dad, right? It was a righteous question. It was not a question of doubt, right? She was being logical with God, not doubting it, but she was asking God, who's the dad? It would be unrighteous. Why? Because if you are found to have child before marriage, guess what? You can be sentenced to death. But the angel said, it will be the Holy Spirit, God Himself, who will make it happen. And the following verse, it says, And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called, what? Barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. By the word of God, Zechariah, through the angel Gabriel, was able to put this message to them, and then Elizabeth conceived a son, John the Baptist, who will prepare the way for Jesus, right? We all know the story. But the Word of God, if at the Word of God, the miracle happened to Elizabeth, what the angel was saying, it can be possible for you too. So in other words, God 
is able to fulfill His Word. Why? Because God's Word is so powerful. Amen. Let me just, let me just go fast forward to verse 20, 38. It says, And Mary said, Then behold, the response of Mary. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to what? Your Word. And the angel departed from her. Mary's response was really one that is trusting God and God's Word. In other words, she allowed God's Word to work through her life. Alright God, then let it be. Now how many of us would do that? How many of us would allow the Word of God work through our lives? How many of us can really trust God's Word? What about you and me? You know, Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God is able to accomplish what He says. Amen. So to summarize this, okay, whatever situation you are in today, be it dark or light, how many light? Medium, dark. <laughs> Whatever challenge that you have today, know that God, God's grace is sufficient. He is a gracious God. Secondly, know that He is with us. Because the Bible says He will never leave you nor forsake you. And know that He is able to fulfill every word that is written in our Bible today. He is gracious, He is with us, and He is able. So my question today is that, what will you do about it? For me, this is my challenge. Trust God and His Word. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's give God a big hand. Come on. Praise God. Let's all stand as I, you know, as I end. And I want to take this, you know, this, this time just to to minister, to ask the Holy Spirit, okay, for for Him to move in our life today. How many of you embrace that word this evening? If that's the case, can you lift it up before God? Say, God, I trust Your word. I trust You and I trust Your word. Lord, there may be times that I have failed to trust Your word. There may be times that I've looked to my darkness toward God without knowing that you are light without knowing that the word your word is powerful Lord we come and even ask for your forgiveness for there were many times in our lives we have doubted you we have doubted your word can you lay hands over your head Lord would you do a miracle and transform our minds, Lord God. Take away every doubt and unbelief. Lord, thank you, Lord God, that you are a gracious God and you are God with us and you will do, Lord God, as you please with us. So, Lord, would you do the work? Let your word change and transform our minds today in the name of Jesus. Lord, we say that we will no longer conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Renew our minds, Lord God, with your word. Take down every mindset, Lord God, that does not belong 
So Lord, thank you, Lord God, that even now, you are doing the work, Holy Spirit. Would you touch our heart right now? Holy Spirit, would you touch our hearts today? Let us know, Lord, that you are present in our lives. That you are present in every dark situation that we're in. Even if we don't see your footprints, we can see your handprint. We can see you, Lord. That you are orchestrating something good in our lives. So, Lord, as you have transformed and renewed our minds, Lord God, would you, Lord God, take away the hard hearts that we have? Holy Spirit, just come. Touch your people today. Melt our hearts today. Let us know that you are Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just trust you fully today and worship. Give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just worship our Lord? Yes, you could just worship God.